What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Bet to Win on this fine Thursday here at the Blue Wire Studios in the Win Las Vegas. I am your host, Joe Fan. A fun show for you here today. Lots going on in the world of sports. The PGA Championship at Southern Hills has kicked off already as we speak. Uh, and then we got Nick Dayus on to talk about the NBA playoffs, the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, Game 1 of the books, Game 2 on tap coming soon. Before we get to Nick, I've got an L to hold. We like to celebrate the wins and the victory laps, but the Angels let me down, and I've got to own that one. Angels' money line was a loser on Monday against the Rangers, and I felt really good about it minutes into the game when the Angels scored three in the top of the first. It's like, oh, Syndergaard's been lights out so far. He's good. He wasn't good. He gave up six in the bottom half of the first, didn't even make it through the frame. The Angels lost that game to the Rangers. We will be back with more baseball winning picks to get back on track at the end of the show. With that, I don't want to waste any time. I want to get my guy, Nick Dayus in here. We're going to have him on for the entire show because I've got a lot of questions for him. He is the host and founder of Blue Wire's Veterans Minimum Podcast. Minimum. We think our inside baseball here. We re-racked that one time to do it again because minimum is apparently a really hard word for me. The host and founder of Blue Wire's Veterans Minimum Podcast. Follow him on Twitter, at Nick Day is 10. Nick, I struggle with the name of your podcast, but I love having you on, man. Thanks so much uh, for your time. As always, join me here on bet to win We always got to get a weather report from everything back east because you're our meteorologist there in the Big Apple. <laughs> hey, Joe, it's always a pleasure, man. I look forward to doing these with you. It's a roller coaster of a week with the weather, dude. Yesterday it was like in the 70s. Today a little rainy. Chance of sunshine later today, but you know, back to you over at the studio. It's like I think every city that has turbulent weather, which I feel like is most of the country these days, like the favorite saying is if you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes. So I don't know. There yeah. you go. That's what you're yeah, living especially right now. this week. Hey. This week in particular, too. Nick, we're going to talk UFC. We're going to talk uh, NBA playoffs and Eastern and Western Conference finals, of course. But are you a golfer? Are you a golf guy at all with the uh, the PGA Championship beginning here on this Thursday at Southern Hills Golf Club in uh, Oklahoma? No, I am not a golf guy at all, Joe. I used to always like dump on golf every chance I got. And then the la last year, a buddy of mine gifted me clubs because he's one of those sickos who gets new clubs every year because that's, I don't know, it's just something. It's nice to be rich, I guess you could say. Yeah. And uh, he's like, the only thing I'm not going to give you is a driver. And I was like, all right, dope. I'll go buy a driver. How much could a driver be? It's like $400 for a driver. I'm like, oh, so that's why he gave me the rest of the clubs for free. But uh, I, I've been going to like Top Golf just because I want to not be an idiot when it comes to swinging. So I want to just make sure I can hit it straight at least to start. Uh, but as far as watching, I'm not into it at all. Um, just doesn't do it for me. Okay, fair enough. Well, I'm sure you have been watching the NBA, uh, the Eastern and Western Conference Finals so far. Um, let's talk about what happened on Tuesday with the Celtics getting thumped 118-107. Really, most of the damage happened in the third quarter. 39-14 was the difference in the third quarter with the Heat, who were trailed by eight and a half, uh, dominated that third quarter. The Celtics tried to hang around, but Jimmy Buckets, 41-9-5. The Celtics had 16 turnovers. Jason Tatum, seven of them by himself. Marcus Smart was out in game one. Al Horford was out in game one. Horford's still expected to be out in game two. Derek White will be out in game two for personal matters. He's flying back to see his family uh, for a birth for the birth of his child, Marcus Smart expected to play on Tuesday with that midfoot sprain. 
But do you think that this is a game worth overreacting to? Um, or is it, hey, the, the home team won game one and, and no big deal. The Celtics love plenty of time. I think it's a, it's a mix of both. Uh, I actually was on Miami. There was a pretty cool trend, Joe, coming off game sevens. If you fade the team playing a game seven in game one against a team that has four more days rest, it was 32 and 49 was the team that played the game seven. And then in the game one of both conference finals, the home team that was well rested ended up winning the game outright and they covered. Uh, I think Marcus Smart is a very, very important piece to the Boston Celtics. And obviously, you know, he was a defensive player of the year and he just means so much to them. And Tatum's not going to have seven turnovers again. I think it was just a weird spot. Miami wanted to set the tone. Boston has been playing really well. It seems like the conversation for Jason Tatum uh, changes like every quarter. You know, we're ready to give him... I don't know if they do the gold jacket. I feel like that's an NFL thing for the Hall of Fame. But it's like, <laughs> all right, we're going to put him in the Hall of Fame already. He could just retire. And then on the other one, it's like, man, we're overreacting to these things. And look at the resume of the guys that he's beaten already in the playoffs. Can he get through Miami? I think it was just a weird spot for Boston. That first half was surprising to me because I was like, oh, this is, is interesting. They're playing really well despite not having those guys. And then Jimmy Butler just took over. And Joe, I don't know how you feel about Jimmy Butler. Everyone always likes having these takes of, all right, is he a top five, top 10, top wherever it might be? I just know one thing. This dude, time and time again, especially with Miami, when it matters most in the playoffs, he delivers. Yeah. And that's the kind of guy that I want on my team, right? Like, yeah, you dropped 40 in Washington on a Tuesday. Congrats. I want you when it matters most, if I'm going to give you a super max or, you know, you're going to be in the discussion for a top player. This is where I want you. And he was just a better player on the court on Tuesday. Yeah, and I think what's impressive about Jimmy is, one, he's able to facilitate and help his teammates create and get open looks. Um, B, he rebounds, he defends. Um, but then also, he's so efficient. You know, I mean, he can be a volume score when he needs to be, but uh, a lot of what he does is inside the three-point line, which is rare for, you know, superstar guards and forwards these days. So much of of what, you know, guys do now is shooting threes. And he can do it, certainly, but he scored 41 points going 0 of 2 from 3. Uh, you know, he gets to the free throw line 18 times. He had four steals, three blocks. And that's as full and impressive a stat sheet as you can find. So I'm with you. Is Jimmy Butler a perfect player and a perfect teammate and the perfect person? And has he had his flaws throughout his, throughout, you know, throughout his career? You know, no, not perfect. Yes, he's had his flaws, which is why he's moved around the league so much. But it does feel like he's found a home here where he is the perfect superstar for this team that's really full of, you know, average to upper tier role players where you have Bam, who is a star player, but he's not a volume scorer and he needs an alpha mm. with him. And Tyler Hero... Maybe he can be that guy, but what a perfect sixth man when you're trying to spell Jimmy. You have a guy who can be a volume scoring. He got 18 for them in game one. For me, it was the Celtics turnovers that in that third quarter doomed. And it was a lot of it was some of it forced, but a lot of it just very lazy. And I think having Marcus Smart back, you hope tightens that up a bit to where Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can play off the ball a bit more. And hopefully Marcus Smart can create for guys uh, like Grant Williams, who only had seven points in this game, a bit more. Um, you know, I am curious to see how they bounce back because, like you mentioned, when you're out of gas coming off a of game seven, you don't necessarily get it back over the course of a series. Mm. 
Yeah, and and I want to add something else to Jimmy Butler because I was always a Jimmy Butler fan. He's someone that takes it personal. You saw yeah. when they beat when they beat the the Sixers. He's like, "Oh, y'all picked Tobias over me. Tobias over me." You've always seen him. You know, he gets at people on social media. And what was the conversation going into the series? Well, the the Celtics have the better player. The best player right now in, in this series is going to be Tatum. And Butler took that personal in the first. In the first game, you also saw he had that block in the fourth quarter where he sent it to like the third row. Butler's someone who I like guys like that, right? Like in, in, nowadays, the NBA, everyone is so lovey dovey and they train together. That killer instinct is, you know, there's only like a handful of guys, and Jimmy Butler is one of those guys. Yeah, I agree. He's not out there to make friends. Um, and I love when he talks his talk. Agreed. I'm a big Jimmy Butler fan, and the Heat are tough for that reason with the, him as their leader. Um, in the West, 112.87, the Warriors cover uh, as five and a half point favorites very comfortably. And it didn't even mm. take a big game from Steph. He had 21, 12, and four, much more of a, of a facilitator and, and a guy who would just kind of along for the ride in this one. It was such a complete effort. Andrew Wiggins was a standout, 19 points, but also checking Luka up and down the floor for pretty much the entire game. They threw some different looks at him, but it was predominantly Andrew Wiggins. Clay chipped in. Uh, Draymond had 10, Kavon Looney had 10, Poole had 19, Porter had 10, seven guys in double figures, about as balanced as you're going to find in the postseason when rotations get so small. And that's the beauty of the Warriors. They can throw so many different looks at you on a given night. You know, if they want to give Otto Porter extra minutes, Kaminga didn't even really play in this game. He's a guy who can give you a different look if things start to go south for the Warriors. That's what makes them so dangerous. Uh, what did you take away from that game one win for the Warriors over the Mavs? Who, like you mentioned, that trend continues with teams who win a game seven and have to go and play a higher seeded team. I think the storyline leaving game one definitely has to be Wiggins, a guy who has had a very polarizing career in the NBA. He's found sort of a Jimmy home. Butler esque without the ceiling. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment for sure. He's He was known as this guy who was going to have a long career in the league just because of his athleticism and, and defensively. And in a spot like this where Luka is probably right now, I mean, it'd probably be Butler. I take that back. But Luka was coming into this conference finals, probably playing the best basketball of anyone in the playoffs, especially what he did uh, to, to Phoenix in that last series. And he stepped up. The challenge is going to be how do you slow down Luca? Because if you take away Luca, Joe, it's it's pretty quiet, right? You're not going to expect Dinwiddie to drop 30 like he did in Game Seven. Jalen Brunson, he's up and down. Uh, DFS, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, he's great at home, below average on the road, which is your prototypical role player in big spots like this. So I think the takeaway is. Luca was held in check by Andrew Wiggins. I don't think that's going to be sustainable, but it kind of also could set the tone for the rest of the series. And what you said about this last thing I want to mention is you didn't even have that crazy uh, Curry game, though in the, in the third quarter where Golden State historically just comes out the gates firing. He had those Curry moments, you know, the, the shot from 35 and he's already jogging back on defense. That sets the tone for the arena and Golden State. And then the game was over. You know, they scored 34 points in the third quarter. And then it was a wrap from there. Yeah, Clay was tremendous in the second half as well. You know, it's the it's the and ones. Their ball movement is just so pretty when it's going well. Kavon Looney had a couple dimes last night. And then, yeah, when Steph hits those contested 35-footers, 
place is going nuts. It is deflating because when you work your tail off defensively and you're not rewarded for it, um, it's hard to continue to have that mentality when you get this, you kind of put your arms up and say, I don't know how to stop these guys. Here's the issue with the Mavs. And this is my biggest takeaway from game one between these two teams was the Mavs offensively have been so efficient and so their ability to get open shots just with their ball movement and their penetration, their drives and kicks, all of that has been so good. And we've seen throughout the Jazz series and the Suns series, you're thinking, how the hell are these guys getting open threes just with a few passes almost every possession? You look at that game seven against the Suns, it could have been so much worse in that first half had the Mavs made a higher percentage of their, a higher percentage of their open looks. And so much of their roster, it's guys who can make an open shot but not a guy that's going to create for themselves. They're really, their creators are Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Luka Doncic. Then you have guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, Reggie Bullock, uh, and then Maxi Kleber, who can hit an open look when they're open. And they had so many of those uh, sort of Grant Williams in game seven against the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Ask, they're just taking practice jumpers, you know, catch and shoot. You put it in the pocket, they're wide open. They can knock it down. Um, That wasn't the case against the Warriors. Their perimeter defense, their rotations defensively were so good, and they are so fast at the perimeter. The the Warriors' Achilles heel is teams that have had big front courts who have just dominated them with size uh, and presence in the paint. That's not what the Mavs are, even though they have the 6'9 point guard, who who will, will have his moments in this series, no doubt. They don't have... I mean, no one's afraid of Dwight Powell. And behind him... Dorian, not Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleber is, you know, a, a spot-up shooter. He's not a guy who's going to beast you in the paint. So that was my biggest takeaway was how hard the Mavs had to work to get an open look and what that does for their role players who aren't inherently lights-out three-point shooters. You look at what Dorian Finney-Smith has done even since that that 24-point outburst in Game 4 against the Suns. He's gone 8 points, 4 points, 5 points, and 5 points. At some point, they have to get more from him. And so to me... I think it's less about Luca having a subpar game, which he did at one point. What he just had like two points in the second half. But to me, it's who else is going to have the opportunity to step up? Jalen Brunson will have his moments, but there's just not a lot of guys there that are going to be able to hit contested shot after contested shot. Yeah, I think it's exactly what you said. The perimeter defense for Golden State. I mean, that was always the thing, right? Like even during the heyday of the Golden State Warriors just a couple of years ago, Curry was never the greatest defender, but he also wasn't bad. He would take up passing lanes. They had a lot of length. They would throw the, the death lineup with Iguodala would be out there. And then you'd have Clay, who was the defensive stopper for them. And just very lengthy and active. So you don't see those spot-up jump shots for the guys on the Mavericks wide open. And yeah, all the focus is on Luka. And I mean, if you're concerned about Luka, then I don't know what to tell you. I wouldn't be concerned about Luka. But you're right, Joe. You you, you got to get more from the guys. If your game is going to be to hit this spot-up open jump shots and you're not, then it might be another case where you're going to get blown out again in game two. Yeah. I mean, Kevon Looney has been so good for this team. Andrew Wiggins has been so good for this team. There's just so much the Warriors throw at you, and it puts so much mm-hmm. pressure on Luka. Of these two series, which one do you think goes longer? Oh, Boston and Miami, I think, no question. I, my, my official prediction was Miami in seven. I had Golden State winning in five. Um, I think Dallas gets one at home. 
just because, you know, that game three, I always love betting game three. So I'm hoping that it's 2-0 going back to Dallas. But I think it's just too much. It's just too much on Luka and and Curry and them. They're playing really, really well. Um, and Poole has just been a blessing for them. So to me, I think Miami and Boston, I wouldn't be worried if, I, if I'm Boston. Boston is, I think they're going to be fine. It's amazing. Jordan Poole's, again, ability to create and get shots on his own takes so much pressure. You can have Steph Curry take a couple possessions off offensively to give the juice defensively and not feel like he's burning the candle at both ends. Every single possession, he's been such a revelation for them. So too is Andrew Wiggins. And again, you can't forget about Loon, who's been there for so long now. Uh, updated game two odds on Thursday evening. The Heat, three and a half point favorites at home against the Celtics. Uh, an interesting note, win bet, one of the few books still at three and a half. Many have moved to three. So if you like the Celtics, win bet is your place to be. Getting the hook there. The total set at 207. The Heat have a 1-0 series lead. And then on Friday, Western Conference Finals Game 2. The Warriors are six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Mavs. Total set at 214. The Warriors lead that series 1-0. And as Nick mentioned, he expects the, seat, the, the Eastern Conference Finals to go longer. So do the books. Heat at minus 130. Celtics at plus 110. Very close to a pick there as opposed to the Warriors that are minus now 400. The Mavs at plus 310 in that series price. Have you laid any, you know, got you have any tickets for Game 2s in either, either conference? Oh yeah, I got I got both uh, both road teams. I think are going to cover. Okay, I don't think Dallas is going to get blown out again. I like the six and a half there, and then I actually think Boston wins outright, especially if Marcus Smart is back. I so hope I you're think, right, man. I think, After that game one, yeah, I, know, dude, I feel like I my twenty five to too. one dude is just like yep. hanging by a thread. I haven't touched it. I, I bet Heat money line game one as like my initial hedge. And then I re-upped live when they were down like 10, 15, and I got it at plus mm. 200 or something like that. And so I was like, there's just too much value there. And then I'll probably put all those winnings if I can get a plus number live at some point tonight and just sort of try to hedge my way that way. Love for the Celtics to win tonight. And then, you know, basically everything I've done would be a wash at that point through two games. That would be beautiful. But would love to see the Celtics, obviously, in the finals. Because when you have a 25 to 1 ticket and then you look at what they are now, which is 3 to 1, you know, mm -hmm. that, that value means nothing unless it cashes. Uh, let's talk a little bit of UFC. UFC Las Vegas 55 this Saturday night, live from the Apex here in Las Vegas. The main event is a woman's bantamweight bout. Holly Holm, minus 250, a big favorite against uh, Ketlin Vieira at plus 200. I'm going to be honest, Nick, when we talked about this pre-show, going through what we wanted to chat about, I had no idea Holly Holm was still fighting. And we went over the, the you know, obviously the, the fact that she's so well known for being the one to end Ronda Rousey's streak, one of the biggest underdogs ever to win in UFC. Uh, that was, what you say, 2015 was when that fight mm -hmm. was? It's now 2022, Holly Holm uh, headlining this card of UFC Las Vegas 55. What do you see in this fight? Man, this is a this is an interesting fight because that division now has a new champion in Juliana Pena. Um, Holm hasn't fought in a year and a half, and that's a little concerning. Where Vieira's been a little bit more active, and I wouldn't feel comfortable laying minus two thirty five on Holm. I think that long layoff is significant. I feel like it should be a tighter line. I like Caitlin Vieira in this spot. And I think, you know, she had a uh, ugly decision loss to 
Yana Kuniskaya in 2021. But for the most part, it's it's a fight where it's one of those cards that doesn't really have a lot of intrigue to it. The only reason why this is the headliner, Joe, is because they need to have something in the women's bantamweight division outside of just Nunez and Pena. They're going to run that fight back. This is probably a number one contender fight, so I get it why it's a main event. To me, though, I think there's a lot of value on Vieira. I think the line is mispriced here, and I just don't trust Holm coming off this long layoff. All right. I love it. Uh, The NFL schedule is now out. Nick, let's finish here. Do you have any win total bets in yet? Uh, And anything you've bet on, maybe week one or any futures for the Super Bowl, um, AFC or NFC champion, division champion, you placed uh, any tickets yet? Yeah, I think my favorite win total is under Titans nine and a half. I can't see how they could get to 10 wins. I think the team is significantly worse. I think last year they overachieved. They were a very fraudulent number one seed as we saw them get bounced in the first round, in the first game in the playoffs. They lose AJ Brown. They lose Julio Jones. Derek Henry, I mean, I've been calling it for the last three years. It hasn't happened yet, but it's bound to happen. Dude's getting 400 touches a season. And I know last year he missed a lot of time, so maybe he'll be a little bit more uh, of a fresher running back. Tannehill already with, with the locker room stuff. Uh, he's a f- close to $40 million cap hit. I think the defense is going to regress a little bit. I think the only way that they can get over nine and a half wins, Joe, is if you really trust in Mike Vrabel to, you know, the rah-rah speeches and to get them going. I don't think this is a really good team. I don't think they should be the favorite in their division, depending on where you look. It's them and the Colts. Under nine and a half for me on the Titans is my favorite win total. And I've already bet that one. I love it. He is Nick Day is the host and founder of Blue Wire's Veterans Minimum Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Nick Day is 10. I love our chats, Nick. Let's chat very soon. Thanks so much for the time as always here on Bet to Win. You're the man, Joe. Good luck this weekend. Great stuff. As always there from Nick, I hope he's right. I hope the Celtics not only cover the three and a half or three or wherever you end up taking uh, this season, this one, but I need them to win and even up the series. Yeah, they even up the series, then they become the series favorites, stealing a game on the road and, and earning home court advantage. So as much as I care about the Western Conference Finals, I'm much more keen, obviously, with my 25-1 to 1 future on the Celtics and what's happening in the East. Need Boston to bounce back here on Thursday night. Uh, win bets, bet 50, win 200 promo is still rolling. New win bet users can receive $200 in free bets after they make their first qualifying deposit and place their first bet on WinBet. Once that bet is settled, uh, you you will receive four installments of $50 free bets. Go to winbet.com or download the WinBet app for official rules and details. Winning pick time, my record is three and two. I want to stay above 500. do not want to go to three and three. So I've got a two-game money line parlay, Astros and Mets. The Astros are the free square of Thursday's baseball slate. Framber Valdez has been tremendous. Quality starts in three of his last four starts, 13 Ks over his last two starts. This should be an easy winner against the Rangers. I know I said that Monday, but I'm doubling down against one of the worst teams in the American League against one of the best teams in the American League. Uh, the second leg of that is Mets money line against the Cardinals. Um, and this, this whole parlay gets you to plus 130, but Chris Bassett for the Mets has been absolutely lights out this season. I heard Matt Vasgersian of MLB Network say that he is 
on Chris Bassett as a dark horse Cy Young candidate. And for good reason, he's got a 2-3-4 ERA and a 102 whip so far this season. The Cardinals in the middle of the road in terms of WRC+. Plus, that's weighted runs created against right-handed pitching. I like the Mets to win that game. I'm throwing in the Astros to get the plus money. Astros, Mets, money line parlay at plus 130. That's going to do it for us here on Bet to Win. Appreciate you joining us. Appreciate Nick uh, hopping on the show to provide all of his insight in the NBA playoffs as well as this weekend's UFC card in Las Vegas at the Apex. Hope you enjoy a lazy weekend. Sit on the couch, watch Tiger. Hopefully he makes the cut. PGA Championship again this weekend at Southern Hills. We'll be back Monday to recap everything that happened in the latest major on the PGA Tour uh, and looking forward to it. So enjoy your weekend. We'll see you on the other side right here on Bet to Win.